Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. forgotten that and I know you won't either it's seared into your conscience now so anyways um, some of my favorite psalms is is uh, you can remember it easily Psalm 120 to 130 um, and they're all basically about crying unto the Lord and getting your help and all that stuff and I don't know for some reason yesterday I was as I came back we were uh, from taking care of Things uh, with my wife's brother and stuff like that, which we've been doing almost every day, um, it, it, it hit on me that we we don't we can't really make it without the Lord's help. And I don't know if I've preached a message on this before, but I just want to do it again. And, and I don't think I've ever preached it here. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But twice David is recorded as saying, "Thou art my help and my deliverer." Mm-hmm. Right. So this is no coincidence, by the way. If it's in there in the Bible, it's meant for you. And by the way, a lot of people have used this for comfort. Um, I would encourage anybody that's struggling through anything uh, to read Psalm 120 to 130. Uh, and then do it often. Just go through there. I'm there a lot only because I just like it and I like what David was doing and the things he had to conquer uh, in himself. It's like sometimes we have to conquer things outside of ourselves, but a lot of times we've got to conquer things within ourselves. Uh, So I want you to turn to Psalm 121, if you would. I don't want to get into details, but I can remember the first time in a very major um, struggle in our family's life of losing someone young uh, to death uh, of no fault of his own. Um, that I needed something uh, to get through it. And uh, God had given me a verse in Isaiah 57.1 that helps uh, if you ever, if someone is taken from you that uh, way before their time when they haven't done anything really that wrong uh, or anything that would cause it, um, that helps me. Sometimes what he does is God takes us, he delivers us something, some evil to come that would be hard for that person to handle. It kind of takes him out of it. I really believe he took my grandfather uh, at a young age because of that, Uh, because of some some things that were going to happen in America that he saw coming, and he said, I don't know if I can handle that. And God says, no, you can't handle it, so I'm going to take you home. Um, So anyways, with this psalm, we'll read it together, and then we're going to talk about it in two different aspects of it. It says, I will lift up. As a matter of fact, there's nothing wrong with you reading with me on this. Would that be all right? Let's read together Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in 
from thy time forth and even forevermore. That thought, my Father, is just always overwhelms me. You cover us, our going out and our coming in, and that works in so many areas of our lives, especially at the time of death. You bless us as we go out, if, you know Christ, if they know Christ, and then you bless us as we come in uh, into his kingdom. So, Lord, I just pray that uh, the, what I'm going to try to do is preach a, a message on our help comes from the Lord, from you, Lord, and, and to encourage someone here today. Most people have something, Lord, and you know that, that has discouraged them or they're fighting through. And I want them to be able to come to the victory today, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Here's the two places where David said this. He said in Psalm 40, verse 17, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O my Lord. That was cool. It's in Psalm 70, verse 5, But I am, I am poor and needy. Uh, make haste unto me, O God, thou art my help and my deliverer. O Lord, make no tearing. It's amazing, right? They're almost similar. Um, and David was never poor, by the way, as far as finances goes. But uh, in, in the early days, I guess, as he was a shepherd. Uh, but when he became king, he had everything at his expense. He could do anything that he wanted, and he did. Got himself in trouble, obviously. Uh, that one time, but David was still the apple of God's eye. But sometimes you can feel what he felt, uh, whether it be in a cave or whether it be in chased down by Saul or whatever it was, you can feel the desperation, his desperation. You can feel that in Psalm 70, verse 5, when he says, make haste and make no tarrying. So have you ever felt like you've tried everything and nothing works? And have you ever begged God to hurry up? Because you just don't know how much longer you can take this. You don't know how much longer you're going to be able to, uh, you just need to, him to come and do something about it. I, I know, I felt that. And every soul at some point has felt helpless. Every soul at some point has come to a point where the outcome looked hopeless. And then every person has come to a point where they felt God had to hurry. And if he didn't hurry, it was over. But we've all experienced in dis disappointment with others because of someone we believed that could help us, but then they could not help us, they failed us, and as a result, we lost some ground in our faith. We've all experienced that, right? Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. And, but here's a better, uh, another thought, and uh, I was talking to Gwen about this just a minute ago. We've all experienced great disappointment in ourselves at some point or another. Um, that we couldn't help ourselves. We can't deliver ourselves, and there was no place left to go. And so one of the good things about that spot, when we get in a spot, is that usually the place we do go, even the atheists, they go to the only one they know might, might be there, but we know is there, if you're a believer in Christ, is Jesus Christ. So there are some things no one can help you in, and your only hope, now listen to me carefully, is in God. That's your only hope. There's no other way out of it. We, we all will need help at some point, and there will be times we can't seem to get the help we need. Uh, but we don't want to lose hope. And so one of the reasons why we need to know and put our confidence in this phrase, thou art my help. Well, here's, I'm going to just give you some things, and this is pretty cool, actually, and uh, uh, that God gave me back when all this is gone is that um, our number one thing is just it's just a re-emerging problem. 
It is our re-emerging problem, right? We're always going to need help. And if you think you don't need help, you're, you're, you're treading on thin ice. Because soon he'll break that ice from out from under you. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be drowned, and you're going to be gasping for air, and then he's going to say, so who are you coming to? Right? No one gets through this life without needing help at some point, and no one gets out of this life unscathed, nor can they expect to land safely in heaven without the help of Jesus. But we need Jesus. We need his help. And the main reason is our sin problem, but we also have a frailty problem. We're weak. And uh, you may have tons of muscles on your body, but you, don't, you die just as fast as someone that doesn't. And, and the flesh problem, right? That's a frailty problem for us. Is our flesh, it, it really drives some of our decisions. Our frailty problem brings us sicknesses and suffering, but our flesh problem is a pride problem, right? That, that ends up bringing us a disappointments and guilt when we think we can do it on our own. We'll get through this. Just suck it up, right? Just pull, pull up the bootstraps and you'll be able to get through this. But a lot of times God doesn't want you to get through this on your own. He wants to bring you through it His way. So watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So sin causes problems, period. And, and, and whether it's our, our own sin or someone else's sin, there's always problems. There's always going to be a need for hell. So sin puts us in a place where we will need it. We're going to have to get it somewhere. And it is no secret what God can do, but it is no, also no secret what we can't do. Right? Because of our sinful choices. So we constantly fail God, therefore we're always in need of Him to intervene. Right? That He needs to get involved with this. And because of our sinful nature, we easily go astray. In other words, we make bad decisions and get ourselves into troubles that we can't fix. You ask any addict or any alcoholic, anybody like that, right? They'll say, I just I can't. I can't deliver myself from this. Well, that's true, you can't. Only Jesus can do that. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. What a blessing. What a verse, powerful verse, right? So without Jesus, we can't find our way out of a paper bag. Uh, we're indebted to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We all need Jesus because the Bible tells us there is nothing too hard for him. So we become self-righteous and self-sufficient without him. He knows that. And we love to look at others and say, well, they need help, but I don't need help. But the truth is, that's a very dangerous statement to make because one day you will need help. I guarantee it. We just aren't honest with God about it when we should be honest with God about it and that we're all going to need help. Therefore, we all need Jesus. All right, that's the end of the message. Thank you. I'm going to pray and we're out of here. I wish it was that easy, wouldn't it? That we'd understand it that clearly. But help is a gift given to those who look to God for it and ask for it because it is the most re-emerging problem. Um, sin will take you further. I said this, and I didn't quote it. I've said it several times here. Sin will take you further than you thought you'd go. It'll keep you there longer than you've ever intended to stay, and it'll cost you more than you ever expected to pay. It'll cause you to lose your family, your occupation. I mean, it goes on and on. But God came and paid it all.
through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's all to him we owe. And we must never forget that. So it's the most re-emerging problem. We all need help. But the second reason is, it's the most reoccurring prayer we make. It is. I, I think if you're honest, it is. It's the most reoccurring prayer that we make, Lord, help me. I was talking to a man once. I was trying to witness him for Christ. And I said, are you saved? Did, did you get saved? He go, oh, yeah. He said, I was coming down the highway one time, and the, and the uh, car came in my lane, and I missed and did a rollover, and I prayed out, Lord, save me, and he saved me. I said, well, that's good. He saved you from that accident, but he has he saved you from your sin. Wow. He kind of got quiet, didn't say anything, and, and uh, didn't want a further conversation anymore. But he, that's a reoccurring prayer, isn't it? Lord, help me. We've all heard the words of someone desperate help say to us, can you help me? You know, I've heard that, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Somebody has come to me in ministry and said, is there any way you can help me? And usually what I do is I take them away from whatever's causing the struggle, and I try to lead them right to Jesus, right off the bat. Because he's the only one that can help, and he's the only one to continue to help. So I consider myself a praying man, and I'm always striving to be a faithful man in prayer, but I have not uttered those words. If I have not uttered those words 10,000 times in my life, I have not uttered them once. Lord, help me. All right? Lord, I need help. And you don't have to tell me I need help. Right? You don't have to convince me of that. I know that I need help. And you know it too. He needs help. Our pastor, he needs help. It's a reoccurring prayer. If it isn't a reoccurring prayer to you, you've put too much stock into your own abilities. And one day God's going to show you that and trust me on that. So he will one day put you or allow you to get in a spot where you just can't get out of. And the only way is just to cry out, Lord, help me. And that's when he comes to the rescue. So no prayer has been uttered more times by believers and unbelievers alike than Lord, help me. Or just maybe just the simple word, help so let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we, we may obtain mercy and find grace to, uh, to help in a time of need. Hebrews 4.16. So even atheists come, uh, become believers when there is nowhere else to find help. You know, all they can do in their time of need is cry out for God's help. The God they didn't, want, they didn't believe or didn't think even existed. And they're crying out, just hoping that he'll come and get involved. Deathbed converts. I'm thinking about that. A lot of atheists on their deathbeds come to Christ. A cancer diagnosis converts a lot of atheists to a belief in God. Abuse and uh, addiction and crime victims convert a lot of atheists to believe in God. It is our most re-emerging problem and it's our most reoccurring prayer. And the last reason is this, but I'm not done with the message, okay? It is God's most reassuring promise. That if you'll cry, when the problem comes, he will help. I believe, he, I believe he loves to help us. And the problem he has more than anything else is that we don't recognize that. That he wants to help. He, he does. If you cry for help, God promises he'll help you. He loves to help you. He loves you too much not to help you. And, and this is why we continue to ask. And this is why Jesus continues to help. Yes, he came from heaven, he died for our sins, he rose from the dead, and we can have eternal life by 
receiving him as our Savior, but it doesn't stop there. In other words, he said, good, he's saved, that's all I care about. Do you, know, do you realize how many people treat life, their salvation that way? That's how they treat it. Like, well, I got saved, good. I can just go on with my life. I mean, he's, he's not saying, oh, once you're saved, that's it. Now you're in heaven, I don't care what you do from here on out. He's serious about this thing. No. He says, I'll continue to save you throughout all the trials and struggles and tribulations and temptations that you're going to have to deal with in this life until you get to be home with me. Fear thou not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee. He says in Isaiah 41.10, Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and, I'll, and, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength. A very, I like this one, a very present help and trouble. Mm-hmm. And then Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall knock, uh, and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. So look again at Psalm 121, right? What's he do? He said, I'll lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Don't you think if he created you that he'd want to help you? If you're one of his children? He, he doesn't, you know, he's not a, a deadbeat dad or an abandoned mom. He's like, no, I'm in this thing for you. Right? He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. I always think of that word as slumber. It's not really a dead sleep. Because he says, uh, shall neither slumber nor sleep. So there's got to be a difference between them two. Right? I think it's just where you're like, you're not quite there. You're going, oh, what? You know, but, uh, and then there's a dead sleep, and he says, he covers that too. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out, thy coming in from this time forth, and, and uh, even forevermore. See, do you get that? From this time forth, in other words, even right now, he's going to do it, even forevermore, like it's always going to come in the future. So, in this psalm, we see four very important things concerning our help, and this is what I want to give you. This is the gist of the message. All that was introduction to bring you to this. These four things, okay? Um, and I hope that if there's anyone here that needs help today, by the end of the service, they would be begging God for it. And they'd make a trip even to the altar and bow down before God and just say, I, I've been trying to handle this thing myself. I can't. Um, I, I really need to know that you're intervening on this, so I'm begging you to come in. Here's the first thing. He wants us to see the place of our help. He says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. You've heard the saying, right? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, the psalmist says he's not going to look for help in all the wrong places. <laughs> he will look to the hills where I find my help there's the idea of looking on, uh, to the Jerusalem on the hill, right? Looking up, the ascension, right? It, that's where my help, that's where I'm going to find, that's where I'm going to meet God. So the place my help is, think about this, is always upward. You ever hear somebody say, Get, pick your chin up? Yeah, well, that's, that's a biblical uh, idiom. It's, it means... It means all right, you're looking down, you're all sad about what's going on in your life, he's saying, no, look up and see what's there. Right? It kind of pushes your head up. 
So the place of my help is always up, where one day our redemption is complete. It's the place of your eternal rest and relief. Uh, it's waiting for you. Jesus said this, and when these things begin to come to pass, and by the way, there's a lot of things coming to pass right now, and you better be looking at Israel right now and praying for them because they're, it, they're, identifi- they're an identifier. I mean, they're, they're literally showing you right now that God is, is uh, that Jesus is mountain stallion right now. I really believe that. He's just waiting for the battle cry to go. And he says, then look up. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Oh, this is not the time to look down and say, oh, we're in so bad shape right now in America and the world and everything. No, he says, look up, because soon I'm coming. And this is all going to be over. So my favorite illustration of this is found in an old Indian, Indian folklore. Uh, listen to me. I, I, an old Indian chief constantly spoke of the Lord Jesus and what he, and what he meant to him. Why do you talk so much about Jesus, asked a friend. Uh, The old chief did not reply, but slowly gathered some sticks and bits of grass. He made a circle of them, and in the circle he placed a caterpillar. Still, I know my grandsons will love this one. He made a circle of them, and he placed a caterpillar, still silent. He struck a match, and he lit the sticks in grass. The the caterpillar watched, and... uh, as the fire caught round the circle that was around, he knew he was trapped. So the trapped caterpillar began to crawl and seek a way to escape. And as the fire advanced, the helpless caterpillar couldn't do nothing. So what he did is he raised his head as high as he could. And if this creature could have spoken, it would have said, my help can only come from above because I certainly can't get out through this fire. Then the old Indian chief stooped down. He extended his finger to the caterpillar, which crawled up onto his finger to the place of safety. And the chief said, that, my friend, was what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me. I was lost in sin. My condition was hopeless. I was trapped. Then the Lord Jesus stooped down in love and mercy. He drew me up out of the horrible pit of sin and shame. How can I help but love him and talk of his wondrous love and care? one One of my just verses in the Bible that always touches my heart because an old evangelist that uh, in my calling to ministry, gave a message. And I remember he signed my Bible this way. It was Psalm 34, verse 6. Uh, he's now gone with the Lord. He said, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. That was Bible signature verse. I've never forgotten it. Just like the many times of Israel's rebellion, God allows us to get into conditions of complete helplessness and despair so like this caterpillar, right? We realize our only way out of this thing is just to go is up above. It's above us. So you've got to keep your chin up. You've got to look up, right? I wrote these things. Listen, when looking for that peace or that place of help, right, the psychologist says look within. The opportunist says look around you. The optimist says look ahead. The pessimist says look out. But this wise psalmist says look above. So when is the last time you've been to the place of your help? What does God have to allow you to go through in order to get you to look up instead of looking around you? Here's the second thing. We see the power behind our help. You know, uh, Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Wow. You know, uh, 
is there anything too hard for the Lord? Let me hear. No. no. Uh, does God know that? Did the reader know that? I mean, do we all know that? Yeah. The answer is, of course not. But that, what, it, what that is is a rhetorical question, and God poses rhetorical questions. And he does it often through the Bible. So a rhetorical question means the answer is obvious. Right? So always remember this. When God asks a question, he's not looking for information. <laughs> he's looking for subordination. He's looking for you to be honest with him about something. He's not looking for an argument because he'll win that anyways. The question reveals much about God. He is not, he is not willing. Uh, uh, he, he, is, he is only willing to help and, be, and to be able to help. He wants to help. So you've got to stop fighting him when he's trying to help. I don't know if I said that right. I hope that came out. We'll, re, we'll reverse the tape later and we'll see if I did. He wants to help. He's trying to help. He's not looking for an argument. He, 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 knows, he knows the information. He just wants you to submit to him. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Ephesians 3, uh, 3.20, Psalm 62.11 says, God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongeth unto God. You have no power compared to the power of God, no matter how strong you think you are. His power to help you is as powerful as the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you to cover your sins and forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hath not the potter power over the clay? Yeah, absolutely. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. 1 Corinthians 6, 14. So again, a little bit different. The psychologist says, right, look within. The, uh, the opportunist says, look around you. The optimist says, look ahead. The pessimist says, look out. But this psalmist says, look to the one who has the power to help. Right? Look to the one that has the power to help. And thirdly, we see the promise of our help. Now, you all know by now, because you've been listening to me a year and a half, I'm an alliterator usually when I preach. That's just what I do. Why do I do that? Does anybody have any idea why I alliterate and why a lot of preachers alliterate when they preach? I only know of one man that hardly ever alliterates, and that's Dr. Sam Robinson, or uh, Sam Davison. He hardly ever uses it. But do you know why I use it and why most preachers use that? It helps you to remember better. That's all. It just helps you to, to latch on to the words and to remember it better, and that's why we do it. And by the way, if you read through the Bible, and you've done it as many times as I have, God alliterates. I mean, you can see some of the words come on when I'm preaching. It's like he alliterated it for you. I didn't even have to put P's or C's or S's to it. But the promise of our help, right? The Lord will help you because he said he would. Duh. Maybe not always the way you want them to, or in the timing that you think is appropriate, but always the way that will help us. Always. So sometimes prosperity, popularity, or physical strength blinds us, right, to our spiritual need, to our spiritual helplessness without Christ. Um, sometimes God has to break us in order to help us. He has to take those securities away 
that, that have become our help, and God has to show us he is the only one we are to be secure in. So the steps of getting help from God is first admitting that you need help, and then acknowledging that you can't help yourself, and then asking him for the need for help, and then finally allowing him to help. Um, I would say an alcohol, alcoholic anonymous or whatever, those type of programs, even though they don't know, use the name of Jesus Christ, that's the kind of the theory they use that the Bible gives. You've got to first admit you need help. You have to admit it. And then you have to acknowledge that you can't help yourself. Right? God brings you to that point, by the way, and, 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 that, and then you ask him for help. You need him to help, and then finally you've got to allow him to do it. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes the correction process is not easy. Um, I remember speaking to a man. Uh, I never, I never forgot that. Right down here in Albany, witnessing to him, and he said he lost his family, he lost his business, he lost his friends, all because of a drug problem. He just lost everything. But you know what happened? He found his help in Jesus Christ. And he said, I'll probably never get back what I lost there, but God has given me back so much more in Christ. So even though we have so much to fear about these days, we can't expect God's help. We can expect God's help in times of trouble. The psalmist suggests that even if the world were at the end, he could, we would have nothing to fear because he, is, he was secure in Christ. So in the face of utter destruction, he expressed a quiet confidence in God's ability just to keep his promises to him. And I firmly believe right now we are living in the end times. I, you know, some people may call me a, I don't know, theorist. What do they call that? A conspiracy theorist. I don't believe I am. I believe we're living, but the but a hidden arsenal isn't going to stop it, or a storm shelter is not going to be the answer. It's just a temporary fix, right? That all just prolongs the inevitable. And I, I see it's possible to consider the end of the world without having some fears, right? And I do. I got grandchildren. I got two of them here this morning, three of them here this morning. I, I, I have a real hard time with that, that, what they might have to go through. But God didn't say stop birthing kids, right? Because they could one day be the warriors that fight the battles and also they'll end up being a member of his family. The Lord Jesus Christ is our security, even in the face of total destruction. And if we don't have him, we don't have anything. And I'm, I share with you this morning, if you're not saved, you need to get saved today. Because time is running out, it's getting short. He's not a temporary bomb shelter. Or a, our last stand. He is our eternal refuge. And that's his promise to us. Forty verses in the book of Psalms, I wrote that down the cry for help is mentioned. That's why most people go to the book of Psalms when they're in trouble. For whatsoever things are written aforetime are written for our learning. Right? They're written to help us that we might have patience and comfort of the scriptures and that we might have hope. So hope is, is the key. And only verse 11, uh, the, uh, there's only 11 verses in the New Testament that use the word hope. Do you have any idea why? I have my assumption, but I don't know. But it seems like it's all mentioned in the Old Testament, hardly ever mentioned in the New Testament. 
Here's why I believe, because your help has come. The New Testament, Jesus has come. Your hope is here. His name is Jesus Christ. So that's why sometimes people that only go in the Old Testament are miserable people. Because they're hoping for stuff that they haven't seen. We've seen. We've experienced our hope. It's in hindsight to us. We know where our help is. Hope is the key. You not only can come to God through Jesus Christ for help, there's no other place to go to for hope. And, and where God's promises are kept. You need not look to another promise or to another person. And, and Jesus is our eternal refuge, our redemption. There is no other place to go for help and for hope. And which introduces me to my last point we're through, and then we're going to have the Lord's, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, right? Is the person who always can help. One of the hardest things in ministry for me is not being able to help someone. I, I, I want to tell you, it breaks my heart. It's when I, I may have tried my best to do whatever it is to get them to see or, or even give a part of my life or my finances or whatever I have to help them and they just don't get it. It breaks my heart. It just brings me to a point that my heart pains over it. Because my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And if people could only understand that, if he can create the heaven and the earth, he sure can help. He can sure give you hope. It's only going to be found in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. I save this one for last because without the person behind our help, there's no lasting hope. You have temporary hope. Listen to some of these verses. 1 Peter 1.21, Who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Hebrews 6.19, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. 2 Thessalonians 2.16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and hath given us, has given us everlasting consolation, and that's just another word for hope, and good hope through grace. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, man, I am so looking for him right now. The only hope we have is the help of Jesus Christ. And, and our help comes from him who created the heavens and the earth. And he says, look unto me. You just look unto me, he says, and be saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am the God and there's none else. He is always looking for the one who is looking for him. And, I, and he doesn't take his eyes off us like we, look, uh, like we took our eyes off him. I mean, you just heard that. He doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep. So he waits patiently for your call of help. Our, our keeper is long-suffering, by the way, not willing that any should perish. You, you can sleep sound, is what he's saying, because he never sleeps sound. So the psychologist, what's he say? Look within. The uh, opportunist says, look around you. The optimist says, just look ahead. The pessimist says, look out. But Jesus Christ says, you look unto me. You look unto me. We have to trust him. 
for the help we need and believe he will respond to his promise. We are now in the search for a pastor. Right? He's saying, don't look at the man up there. You look at me. And I'll tell you who it is. Right? I'll make it very, very clear to you. So we have to trust him. We have to trust the one who saved us eternally to continue to save us momentarily. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glorieth in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight. You know what that verse reminds me of? Now I'm done. That verse reminds me that we have to rely on him with total confidence. We have to rest in his competence. And we have to release it all over to his control. So you be careful what you're putting your trust into. It's not going to last very long. You know, all this, all this economy's got to just crash. It's just got to crash. That's all it's got to do. Everything you've got saved is gone. All you got to do is get a diagnosis of cancer and all that muscle building you built all those years. You know, that, you ever see a person go through that? That's awful. Here's the last two verses and we're through. Psalm 50, verse 15, And call upon me in a day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Psalm 91, 15, He shall call upon me, and I love this, and I will answer him and will be with him in trouble and I'll deliver him and honor him. So whenever we're, I kind of want to just say this as we, as I, we bow our heads and just go to the Lord's Supper. Um, when, whenever we're embarrassed for what we've done, we can either look down in guilt and humility or we can look away Right? and defiance and hostility, or we can look up to the Lord's Savior, the Lord our God and Savior, with honesty and for help. The paternal, I, you know, I, I wrote this down. The paternal instinct that our Heavenly Father instilled within every soul he created and I hope you understand this, is to look up to him. It's just the paternal instinct as a father and his children. And the father always wants his children to come to him. Right? He wants, he, they want confidence that what dad says. Right? They don't want to lose confidence. And that's why dad's role is so important in the life of every child. Because he's going to be the pillar. He's supposed to be the pillar. He's supposed to be the wisdom. He's supposed to be the best example. So they look to heaven and we cry for help. Without art my God, I need help. Without art my help, so I need you. Jesus, please help me now. My only hope is in you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I'm reminded of Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our heads are bowed. Our theme 
is so much more in 24. Our desire is that people that walk through these doors would not leave these doors unsaved. We're ready. We're already in our second month, Lord. Already. And time is getting short. Time flies for us every moment of every day. If we expect more for Jesus in this coming year, I just pray, Lord, that we first would know him as our Savior, and then secondly, serve him with everything we got. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I, uh, I invite you now to call upon Jesus if you haven't already, and first put your faith into him. You can leave here 100% sure that you're saved, that you've been forgiven of your sins, that his blood covered you and imputed to you with the resurrection and righteousness of Jesus Christ. So admit to Jesus you're a sinner. Just all you got to do and realize you can't help yourself. No way out of this but through him. No way to save yourself from the pen of your sin, which is death. No way to pay the debt that you must pay. He did it all for you. And then secondly, just acknowledge Jesus paid for your sin debt by dying in your place. That's all. It's just simple. Looking at the cross, you see on that cross, that was supposed to be you. And then he took that place so that you could see him on that cross and have hope that you can be saved from hell and from God's wrath and have eternal life with him because he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead and he offers unto us eternal life actually offers something to us himself. So what you have to do, you have to accept Jesus by faith right now and the free gift of eternal life that he offers you. And by repenting, in other words, just uh, I didn't believe, but now I'm believing and I want to receive him right now as my Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone in this sanctuary that says right now, I want to be saved? I'm not sure I am, but I certainly want to be saved. Just put your hand up and I'll say amen. I'm not going to mention you by name. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, anybody at all in the sanctuary. Okay. And for the rest of us, I think about this. There's no doubt there's someone here today that needs help. I have to believe that. Every, every, in every church, there's always somebody struggling through something. I want to pray for you. Now you just, you just put your hand up and I'll pray for you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I see them all. So we're going to stand for a minute. I want to give just an altar, a short altar call before we go to the Lord's Supper. This would include the kids. The altar is a place where you can get personal with your God. You just kneel down here and tell him your struggles. And you just let him come. give you moments. We'll give you your private moments with your God. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.